0: heat-seeking panther Miles and Dave talking about Nicholas Cage alright you, you started. I feel like I always started. Uh, okay
1: um, this is heat-seeking panther, I'm Miles, this is Dave we have we have, <laughs> uh, we have guests Catherine and Jesse, hi guys hello,
0: can I get a whoop
2: whoop whoop <laughs>
1: Uh, welcome to the Panther Den, guys. <laughs> hey. So, wait, so are we, is, yeah, is that the name of it yeah, now? It or is, are we calling it the Because you Panther remembered Den?
0: it. It's, <laughs> yeah. Curl it's, up in the Panther Den, guys. Just don't get bitten. Oh. B- by some of these hot takes we're about to this, l- this is
1: where i dropped the sample of the roaring <laughs> panther <Whoa. laughs> welcome to the panther dead uh, <laughs> how obnoxious would it be if we did the whole show i had a soundboard <laughs>
0: <laughs> well you'd have the panther roar you'd have um the air horn <laughs> anything and else
1: I- uh, yeah, I would need some siren. G- fart. Yeah, yeah, yeah have a siren, yeah, a, siren yeah. a fart. Definitely. I'd have some kind of goofy like spring noise or like <laughs> you a, a wow, like something record like record that. Yeah. Yeah. That's That's important. Very
0: important. <laughs> yeah. And you and you have to have like a long audio sample from an inside joke that happened like before anyone started listening to the show that you drop in and everyone laughs at.
1: <laughs> like no one, no one, no one listening understands. What's I going feel about.
0: like whenever I listen to morning radio, there's a bunch of inside jokes because they just, you know, it's. Well, maybe
1: if you listen to more morning radio, you'd understand the jokes.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, the, the fault is with me. It's not with them. They're just doing you, their you, job. You got to keep up with
1: You know, it's like you miss one episode and that's a lot of information that you have to, you have to kind of catch up on. Wow. All
0: right. So this, <laughs> this week we're talking about It Could Happen to You, uh, 1994's uh, It Could Happen to You, where Nick Cage te- like teamed back up with... Friend uh, Andrew Bergman, Andrew Bergman, <laughs> friend of the show, um, he, he d- who directed him in *Honeymoon in Vegas*, uh, which, if you'll remember, was a big uh, career rejuvenating moment Co-starring in terms of
1: Carrie Bradshaw.
0: Yeah, which yep. we
1: were just talking totally um, coincidentally. We were just talking about earlier.
0: Yeah, what were you saying?
2: We were talking about *Failure to Launch*, that stars Ooh. Terry Bradshaw and also the woman who played Carrie Bradshaw.
0: Wait, oh, wow. (laughs) Is is that McConaughey, too? Yeah.
2: Apparently, Terry uh, Bradshaw is a football player. Uh, I don't know if he's actually in the movie. That could have just been Alex being funny.
0: You know what? Nobody knows. No one will know or call it out. No one has seen that movie. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, Andrew Bergman. nick cage he that honeymoon in vegas was the first movie in his quote sunshine trilogy of uh after he he had quoted (laughs) he quoted jim morrison i'll I'll just read this quote (laughs) actually for those of you who don't remember he said most of my characters are filled with this weird internal angst and i thought it might be time for a change I turned 30, I have a kid, and I remembered an old clip of Jim Morrison of The Doors talking about how he never made happy songs. He was right, and I started to think about my own career. I love the films I've been in, but they weren't what you'd call happy films. I wanted to make a film that was pure happiness, and It Could could Happen To You was it. It's like a 40s romantic comedy with a Capra touch, a romantic comedy with an emphasis on the sweet side of things. I felt it was time to do a character that was happier and lighter. I've done all these, this weird internal angst stuff that's good and valid, but this afforded me the opportunity to play Sunshine and Happiness. So, first of all, did he succeed in playing Sunshine and Happiness?
1: I don't know what he was playing in this movie. Like, he almost seemed, what you were saying earlier, he almost seemed like he was doing the whole thing sarcastically.
2: Yeah. And then you said, like, he's almost doing it, gee whiz
0: yeah he's he's like so relentlessly positive and like i mean okay his character is this is like the most boring cage character i think we've seen yet i mean maybe fire i keep bringing it back to firebirds as the previous low water mark um but actually guarding guarding test was worse yeah but his character was more interesting because he fucked an old lady and in this movie he's just like he has no flaw no faults no flaws he's like the most perfect saintly boring human being
2: yeah in this movie everybody is good or bad there's no gray there's
0: no gray you
2: either fall into the you are a perfect human being and you always do the right thing or you are just terrible and you have no redeeming qualities
0: which takes it takes all the like there's just no struggle. There's no, all this, uh, any kind of conflict just comes from these outside elements, but you're just waiting for like the pieces to align in the exact way that you know, they're going to align. Like there's just no tension. It's just like Nick, Nick cage. Okay. So Nick cage is married to a bad person, like the worst person ever in the world. In
2: every scene. She's terrible. No,
0: she has no Rosie Perez, um, who I love. And I was really sad to see her do this character, but like, yeah, she's just, she's just terrible. And then Bridget Fonda previously married to Stanley Tucci, who's also great as an actor and also terrible as a human in this movie. And <laughs> then it just takes like two hours and then they're together and they have a lot of money.
2: It's funny because this is the only way the story could happen though. Like the people who are bad have to be so bad yeah. for the plot to make sense, because if they have if they're in any way like reasonable human beings, all of a sudden the actions of the main characters become totally deplorable.
0: That's actually what what they said in <clears throat> the unauthorized biography of Nicolas Cage, the man behind Captain Corelli by Ian Markham Smith and Liz Hodgson. <laughs> um they uh, they they made Rosie Perez's character so awful because they were like otherwise people won't buy that he he leaves his wife or they won't be on his side if he leaves his wife.
1: Well, the crazy thing about her character and I actually think she did she did a really good job because she acted exactly the way she was supposed to to yeah. make you
0: hate her Oh yeah, she was great. as much
1: as you could. And the weird thing is is that so they paint her out to be such a terrible terrible person, but really she makes reasonable decisions for someone in her position. Absolutely. So I don't understand why they have to vilify her so
0: much. No. Uh, so
2: what happens in the story? Should we yeah. Should, yeah. Should we should outline that. We,
0: yes, we absolutely should.
2: Okay. Can I, can I, yes, please. So,
0: and Catherine, I, I feel like we should say off the bat that you have a, per, you have a special relationship okay, with so this film.
2: You know, those movies that you watch when you're a kid and for some reason you just love them and you want to see them all the time and you make your parents rent them a dozen times. Yes. This movie is one of those movies for me. Why? So I don't know. So it, it's actually funny because it's, it's a, it's a different visceral experience watching this as a child versus watching this as an adult. As a kid, I like, as a kid, I was like so happy when the good people were rewarded. <laughs> like it like just tickled my, like everything is right in the world. Sure. Yeah. And It's actually really funny because I've been thinking about this movie recently for this very reason, because if you think about what actually happens in the plot, the people who are, are painted as like terrible are actually totally reasonable. And if you tell this story without any of like the crazy kind of like over corniness on top of it, like the really sweet saccharine shine they put right. on all of the behavior like if
1: you just describe the events as facts yeah that right yeah yeah, yeah. And,
2: and i was actually and i was actually thinking about this because they frame this movie as a true story which as it turns out it is not no
1: the only well, thing that's true is there was a cop that that uh told a waitress that he'd split his lottery ticket with her right. and then he won that yeah. is
0: that's the true story he didn't give her any
1: money no, well, no, he did, but but I'm saying like none of the none of there was the, no
0: in marriage intrigue. Yeah,
1: there was anything. no affair. Like there was no evil wife that he hated. Like it was well,
0: not like okay. So Catherine, describe the the events of this movie then in like the factual way that they have minus any of the. Uh
2: okay, great. So. There are three people. So, so we open with this narrator and it's Isaac Hayes. Oh, right. Yes. (laughs) With.
0: (laughs) Named, whose name is Angel. Angel.
2: And he's a journalist and he's a journalist for like a New York Post. Like he's a, he's a step above a tabloid, uh, tabloid newspaper.
0: We don't know that though. For, for like most of the movie, he's just a creepy guy who looks at the camera and talks and then watches them and follows them around. (laughs) Morgan Freeman or something. Yeah. But if Morgan Freeman was stalking you and talking to nobody about your life, <laughs> just like talking to the air describing what you're doing.
2: So we get introduced to these three people and, um, there's a cop and he's just the best guy that anyone can be. He's just like nice to everybody. He does the right thing all the time. He can, he's just,
0: he plays stick ball with the neighborhood kids. Yeah.
2: He, he, you know, he, he
0: saves babies on buses. He
2: he he, he births babies births on them. on buses. He you know he saves blind men in suits across <laughs> yeah. the street. There's like a
0: blind man crossing the street, it just into the middle of traffic, like he's never walked down a street before. And Nick Hidge runs out, and fireman carries him out of there. <laughs>
2: yeah. Uh. So, um and his wife is a really greedy uh hairstylist she's terrible who complains about him the first time you see her uh she says she she she's is t- talking to her client and she wishes <laughs> She says out loud that she wishes that he was a corrupt cop because then at <laughs> least they'd have money. If only. Oh God. So, um, it's
0: already and, cranked up to 10. Yeah,
2: immediately we <laughs> they're, know. They're like, Hate this person. person. Also,
1: I just want to interject that Rosie Perez in this film for the entirety of the movie speaks in a frequency that <laughs> bores a pin
0: sized <laughs> hole all the way through your skull. Yeah, it, it's really, it, it's really fast and high pitched and nasal.
1: It's
0: like Axl Rose, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like Axl Rose meets the nanny.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, okay, So, so cop, great guy.
2: Amazing guy. Terrible wife. Terrible wife. Like, complaining about him. And the third person we're introduced to is Yvonne. And we're introduced to her and she's, she's uh, declaring bankruptcy. This because, is Bridget Fonda. Yeah. It, you know, angelic blonde hair very white <laughs> very skinny
0: white. very symmetrical
2: and of course her hardships aren't her you know her, her fault no, her no. ex-husband racked up a lot of debt on credit card bills and she's still responsible for him
0: her husband played by stanley tucci in like the slimiest most awesome stanley tucci role he's so gross and he makes he just owns the two scenes that he's in he's like babe oh you're beautiful babe i just if you could just give me a little money <laughs> <laughs> he's so awesome
2: so the the couple uh, uh nick cage and rosie perez the who, what are their names in the movie
0: ain't eh, eh. Yeah. Oh, okay. So we'll just call them um, Yvonne... cop and wife. Yeah.
2: So the cop and the wife are getting ready so we for have their cop, day. Cop and waitress. <laughs> cop, okay. Cop, yeah, wife, waitress. waitress. So Should have been the name <laughs> of the movie. <laughs> 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 so the, the, Wait,
1: the <laughs> funny story. The name of the movie almost was, oh, yeah. <laughs> cop gives waitress two million
0: dollar. <laughs> 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 <a wild> <laughs> 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 What do I name movie? (laughs) Oh, name after thing that happens. (laughs) Cop falls in love. (laughs) Rated PG.
2: So the cop and the wife are getting ready for their days. And the wife says, I had a dream last night. And (laughs) my dead father Told me I was going to win the lottery. So you have to get the lottery ticket today. And
0: well, so I mean, her dead dad shows up with numbers in his eyes like in a dream. In the dream.
2: So he, so she's like, get the lottery ticket today. And and
0: Nick Cage has this great line where he's like, He was a nut job, your father. He prayed to chickens.
2: (laughs) Wait, really? I didn't didn't catch that line at all.
0: I have it. I took a video of it. He was a nut job, your father. He prayed to
1: chickens. (laughs) (laughs) What does that mean? What a throwaway line! What
0: does that mean? I I think I think Rosie Perez's father was a brujo in Mexico <laughs> and prayed to chickens. He prayed to a Mexican chicken god <laughs> and um, received the power of um, like what? What do you? He became a ghost. He became a magic ghost when he died, who could go into her dreams. Okay, so. She, she tells Nick Cage to get the numbers, the lottery numbers. Yeah.
2: And the next scene is Nick Cage and his partner and, uh, they're going to get the lottery tickets. And his it's it's communicated that his partner is very hungry, but they're gonna grab the lottery ticket and then they're gonna go across the street to this coffee shop that's on the corner. So uh, he gets the ticket, they go to the coffee shop, they sit down, and they run into the waitress that we was were, was that we were earlier introduced to while she was, uh, going bankrupt declared bankrupt yeah so she's having a very bad day because this is the same day that she declared bankruptcy and she's waiting on them and nick cage and her have a uh a terse conversation an interaction
0: Yeah. It, yes it's very uh she's she's quite rude yeah to him because she's had, but it's like it's a cute it's cute rude but then he doesn't have money to tip her
2: and he's looking in his wallet and he sees that he has a lottery ticket. And so he's like, OK, either I'll come back tomorrow and give you double the tip or I'll give you half of whatever I win in the lottery. And she's like, OK, I'll take half of whatever you win in the lottery. And then they run out on their call.
0: Is that when Nick Cage saves the Korean family?
2: No, that's later. That's, that's later. after he's, that's, that's after All right, he's So
0: won. So then long story short. It's the, he has a winning numbers and he's like, should I, should I do it? Should I give her the money? And
1: so he basically tells his wife, I, I promised a waitress half of the winnings. Right. And the wife is like, that's crazy. And then Nick is, Nick Cage is like, well, I'm sorry. The cop is like, <laughs> cop, tells wife cop tells wife that he <laughs> yeah. that he offered waitress half of the winnings.
2: So they win the number. The, 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 the news reads the numbers. She freaks out. She's so excited and she's calling in to, to claim their numbers. Um, and, uh, it's revealed that other people have won and this is stressing her out so much. Like she's so devastated that the big jackpot is not going to be as big as she wants it to cause she has to share it with other people. So it's already established that she doesn't want to split it. And she's like, Oh gosh, well at least we won't have to split it with anyone else.
0: <laughs> da, uh, Enter uh, the
2: cops deal with the waitress. Right. He has a conversation with his wife and his wife says, please don't give her half of the lottery winnings. Just give her a big tip. Like she doesn't, I want to, you know, I need, we need that money. So he has a conversation with his wife where he's, where they decide where she says, please don't do this.
0: Right. And he agrees. And and
2: he agrees. And then he goes to the diner and he sees the woman and his intention is to just give her a big, like $20 tip and the gold chain for her, for her glasses. But... She's so cute and she's had such a bad day. Okay, her
0: customers have AIDS and she's nice to them.
2: Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Which again
1: establishes you're either a perfect human being or you're you're an
0: evil, evil person. Saint or a devil. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Her boss is very, very rude. And and then they they put uh, cigarette ash in his coffee and he really likes it because it's funny to see people who you don't like eat garbage.
2: <laughs> well, that's the other thing that this movie teaches you is that bad people get punished. <laughs> yeah, they do.
0: And good people get rewarded yeah. by, you know, like this movie is very into, uh, the, a uh, simple version of karma. Like, because
1: not, I think it's not. And I'll explain okay. why afterward, but okay, us well, let, well let's cause I'm through this.
2: Yeah. Th- so at this point though, the winnings are down to $2 million. So right. if he gives her to the $2 million tip and things to be going things seem to be going okay. Uh, she buys the cafe. Right. Rosie the wife has the money that she enjoys. Things seem like they're right. gonna be working out. But she's still a terrible person. She still complains and spends her money on on terrible things.
0: Did you oh no, I sorry, I have a pet theory. I'll get to it later.
2: Okay, great. So things are going okay, but the wife continues to be frustrated with the generosity that the cop shows
0: because she's evil and she hates it when people are good. She
2: she doesn't like it that. Oh, so also the cop continues to be a cop. He doesn't quit. And there's a great, there's an amazing scene where he goes to get coffee (laughs) from the place he goes to get coffee from every day
0: from his favorite Koreans.
2: And he deduces with his cop skills that it's being robbed. And so he and his friend, he and his partner, He and his partner put their lives on the line and save the day. Okay. I'm
0: I'm sorry to derail you again, but that scene in and of itself is fucking ridiculous (laughs) because, okay, they go in, they buy uh, like a a cup of coffee or whatever from this guy. And, um, and the, and, and what we see, we see Nick Cage being like, you're not gonna overcharge me with prices from the Far Orient, are you? Or saying some- or
2: How's the mysterious
0: East, is what he says. shit like that. <laughs> this old Korean man is like, oh, no, no, no. I would never really shiftily. And, <laughs> and Nick Cage leaves. And somehow with his sixth sense, he knows that bur- so, burglars have the Korean man's wife under the table with a gun to her head.
2: So he says, uh, so he's- So Nick's cage says, Oh, where's the wife? And the, the, Uh, the, the the cashier says, Oh, she's sick today. And then he, and then he's like, okay, well just give me two coffees. And he goes and gets him two coffees and he's like, Oh, on the house. And so he goes outside and tells his partner like, Oh, our, our favorite Koreans getting uh, robbed because, and he was like, how'd you know? And he's like, he gave it to me for free. And and the, he told me his wife was sick, and she would work if she was dead. They say.
0: Which this whole scene and that remark, I guess, were very controversial in the Korean community. Um, really? And yeah, this is the only controversy this movie generated. <laughs> um, they they thought it was racist and mean, but um, what I don't it, it's it is what it is and and then nick cage fucking sneaks in to the basement okay this is what you do if you're a police officer like i i don't know much but you you call for backup right like they're outside of the entrance to the those the robbers aren't going anywhere so you call for backup you don't sneak in on in the basement climb up the stairs and throw a fucking soup can at the
1: like if if anything, he posts up at the outside the basement door just in case they go that way. But he definitely doesn't go
0: in and throw a soup can at he, them. And he gets shot. Deservedly so. He gets shot. Because he pulled a stupid move. And and it, and he didn't fire his gun. He says, he's like, there were too many people in there. Like, I, I couldn't use my gun. You just put them all at risk, dude. You just, you can't like someone is waving a gun around. You don't go like and throw a fucking soup can at their head. That's how people get shot. He's a terrible cop. He's not a hero. He just lucked out.
1: Okay. So he gets injured. They give him like a, they do like a ceremony.
0: Right. So he's a hero. And the whole time the city of New York is just in love. They love the cop who gave the waitress the money. And yeah. The, According
2: to this story, they have tons of paparazzi coverage all the time. Yeah. There are, the, there are they just become instant
0: celebrities somehow. They are the Kardashians of, of the moment. And, or the, no, they're more like Octomom. Yeah, actually. They're each like a quad mom.
2: <laughs> so... He gives $10,000 to the widows association that, you know, the foundation that helps the widows of cops and, and the <laughs> wife is upset with that because she's evil you and know,
1: she rolls her eyes. Yes. Yeah. How dare you?
2: So then, then she, then he takes all the kids from his neighborhood who he played stickball with to the, <laughs> to Yankee, to the, stadium. To the Yankee stadium and plays ball with them along with the waitress, the wait, the waitress is, you know, brought along. Okay.
0: I know I keep cutting you off, but like, the first he and the waitress, he like runs into Bridget Fonda. He's like, "Well, what are you doing?" He's like, uh, uh, "Oh, my wife made me stop being a cop because she hates when I do things that are are good for the community." And <laughs> and she's like, "Oh, now that I have my own restaurant, I'm just like a lonely single girl, and I just don't know." And the first thing they do is they go rollerblading together. <laughs> if you're going rollerblading with a beautiful woman who's not your wife, like you. Are basically fucking that woman. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> that is a date. That is the er date. That's an <laughs> ultimate date. You don't do that with just your buddy. Yeah. You don't. And so, like, at that was the point when I was like, this movie only has one place to go. Like, we're just <laughs> waiting for them to bone. So,
2: not only do they go rollerblading together, before they go rollerblading together, they all go on this boat trip for millionaires because apparently there's a yeah. special boat cruise just for millionaires. Yeah, and
0: all the lottery winners, the New York lottery winners, are going. Are, are invited to yeah. the millionaire boat cruise. And, but, um, what is it? Like, she, so
2: she, she, gets,
0: she can't find her taxi cab no, fare she, or something, so even this, though she's a millionaire. Is, this
2: is the funniest thing. The cop and the wife get on the boat. Right. But the and the wife immediately is absorbed into the crowd. She's loving it. She's just so ecstatic to be among other millionaires. But the cop sees that the waitress is struggling with her taxi fare, so he runs down to try to help her with her taxi fare. And she's, she's trying to get the taxi cab to break a 20. And either he sees that
0: she's Hold going- on though. They're giving free money to everyone. She can't just give that guy the exactly. fucking 20. Exactly. She's like, literally, at, the, she's at the end literally, of the movie they're literally throwing money in a lake she can't give that poor man tip
2: she's she's about to walk onto a boat <laughs> where the huge entryway sign says welcome millionaires <laughs> it's like
0: I'm sorry I'm a little short right <laughs>
2: choosing to give this taxi driver the entire $20 <laughs> and,
0: and you know what where that stinginess led her to the love of her life
2: yeah, you know, <laughs> because Nick Cage runs down to help her. It could happen to you. And Which then Nick Cage ends up handing the
1: him a twenty. Exactly, one of his twenties. and He's like, keep the change. <laughs> so he just gives him the fucking twenty anyway. <laughs> yeah,
2: but it's an, it's long enough for them to miss the boat. They
0: miss the, they literally miss the boat. They're
2: stranded on land. And so what are they to do except to go a on an incredibly date. romantic date Oh my together. God. They go
0: out to like an Italian dinner and then go like dancing.
2: Yeah. At like a jazz club or something. And,
0: right? th- and then it's like, okay, buddy. <laughs> See you later. Gotta go home with my wife.
2: And the entire time, uh, is it Bridget Fonda? Yeah. Bridget Fonda's character has such like an innocent, almost teenager affect.
0: Yeah. She's an angel. Yeah. She's not Angel the character, but she is an Angel. They're they're yeah, they're perfect. I hate them and they're so, perfect.
2: So the wife asks the cop to move out. The cop stays at the plaza. He was originally going to go to the Holiday Inn, but one of the boys, Stick ball kids, yeah, was like, reminds hey. him you're rich now. Go to the plaza, which is also the same reason that. And the waitress comes home elated on on a cloud of happiness to her, her apartment from the day at Yankee Stadium, but her no good, terrible, rotten husband, who she hasn't technically been divorced from yet, is there. Right, and so she he makes it clear that he's going to stay there and you know, he's not going to get out of her way. And so she's like, fine, I'm going to the plaza. So both-
0: well, is that when he hits her up for, for yes. money? Yeah. He That's wants, he is- wants like $50,000 to Ray like start tour. a playhouse. A yeah. Ripped, it's a theater a
2: ripped Stanley
1: Tucci in a towel, <laughs> yeah. just like coming out of the shower. Hey like, babe, hey, babe <laughs> good to see you again. Give me a kiss.
0: I'm getting, I'm getting that money one way or the other. He's doing like acrobats, uh, acrobatics on the counter and shit. Yeah. So, so awesome. the
2: cop and the waitress find themselves both at the plaza. They put them in rooms next to each other that have a <laughs> door that open. Right. And they finally bone.
0: Yeah. Well, they kiss and then- And probably, somehow, probably and
2: somehow the story gets out. And so, and so there's already an article Yo, in the, but the when, newspaper. When they're leaving,
0: because when they're leaving the hotel, I didn't get this because Nick Cage is like- are you ready? And he runs into the turnstile, the turn door and, and they go out and there's all these paparazzi out there, like taking pictures of them. And they're like, Oh, and he, he like covers Bridget Fonda, like with his coat or some shit and walks through. But I didn't get like, was that because they saw the paparazzi out there? And he's like, are you are you ready to become a newspaper like story again or if he was just like so full of life and love that he just loved running through the turnstile doors and he was like are you ready
2: I think it's the latter
0: uh, Yeah it I mean or both probably <laughs> both but this brings up an
1: interesting point that the
0: editing of this
1: movie was sometimes really fucked up How so Like they would just do weird things where there would be a scene like like it looked like they would just insert like the kind of cuts that they did, one didn't prepare you for what was coming next. It's just weird editing that like made for like bizarre pacing in the transition sometimes, but that well, was one of the nice you know, that-
0: but, I mean, there, the pacing was weird too, just because there was no story. Like, you know, like, cause you could, even though we're telling it moment, minute to minute, like you could just say like cop wins lottery, uh, w- gives waitress the tip. Then they cop gives waitress $2 million tip. He divorces his, do- <laughs> This should have been the title: Cop gives waitress two million dollar tip, divorces wife, marries waitress.
2: <laughs> that is, that is, that is the summation. But yeah. it's okay and it's great because the waitress and cop are perfect people. Yeah. And everyone else who was divorced is just was terrible. Well,
0: so, yeah. So Rosie Perez takes him to court uh, for yeah. a divorce court, and it becomes like the fucking trial of the century.
2: Yeah, because the the idea that he could be having an affair with this woman led gave fuel to the fire to allow Rosie Perez to sue for all the money yeah. back.
0: I mean, they, they just, which is they, what she wanted. They she painted wanted their love as a monstrous thing in the courts. The court had no choice, but to favor, uh, in for Rosie Perez, she got the money and took Bridget Fonda's money because she's a fucking bitch. And she, it should have all belonged to her. And Nick Cage is like, I don't care. Take my money. I just, I have love now. And, but then, but then she tries to mess with, uh, with Bridget Fonda. And then it's, and then he doesn't even fight. He's just like, no, I can't. He's a terrible witness. Like the, the fucking judge, his, his lawyer, like brings him on the state stand and like tries to get him to stand up for himself. And I feel like, I forget what he says, but he's just like, he's like, yeah, I guess, I don't know. I just fell in love with another woman. (laughs) And, and she, oh yeah,
2: and they're both on the stand, like the waitress and the cop, are both on the stand, being like, "I love him more than anything yeah. else ever in the world." And it's like, "Didn't you guys get together like four days ago?" Yeah. Also, we know the true
1: story, but like, really, well, it looks bad. But if you again, really if you just recite the facts of what happened, yeah. like it looks terrible.
0: It looks really bad, and and the, the the lawyer started saying everything that I was thinking. I was thinking the same thing because he's like, "How do we know?" that this wasn't just a plan like the, on the very day that she becomes bankrupt, do you make a deal with her that you're going to give her millions of dollars if you win it? And, and then
1: again, we know cause we're some like omniscient, like third person viewer, Yeah, but really there's no way to verify of any of the true story. Right. And, and you could just assume that it was a plot between the two of them to like take the money.
0: Well, and that's where the cognitive dissonance like comes in because, because yeah, I would like, if I was on that jury, like just with the facts, then it, it seems clear cut, but they do a good job of making uh, him and her likable in the sense that they're perfect and have no flaws. And the whole world around them is like either like innocent or evil. And- because the
1: only way to the only way to t- treat those two those two people as protagonists is to make them perfect people. Because if you, again, if you just look at the choices and the decisions that they made, they made all the wrong choices. It could have
0: at least been like like an an interesting, like, you know, if their characters had shades of gray, it would have, it would have been a different movie though. Cause you would have been going like, Hmm, is this moral? But this movie was like, I don't want you to question that. This is fun. Good times. Happy stuff. Keep morality out of it. Yeah. Exactly. Which I think
1: misses the point entirely because the only interesting tension and drama that comes from a a plot like this is the question of who do you become when money is a factor. Right. You know, and they skip over that whole thing entirely. It's like what kind of interpersonal relationships and relationships with the community at large are affected when you suddenly have a lot of money.
0: Yeah. Or even a step down from that. But still, interesting is like where, like, who is owed this money? How do we, how do we, like, define who, who, you know, ownership and and who deserves it and stuff? But they're like, no, they deserve it. They're good. They don't. They're bad. Like that's and and all the sig- Yeah, it's it. Rosie Perez gets a boob job with it, and we're supposed to be like, fuck you.
1: Also, incidentally, so those were her real boobs. Oh. She had. They had to strap them down earlier in the movie.
0: <laughs> oh, okay, yeah well good for her
2: and there's also some problematic moments in oh, this boy. interlude like there's a moment where she falsely accuses the cop of being physically abusive oh, yeah. in one of the in one of the lawyer meetings right and
0: she's like the neckbeard nightmare of what like a a terrible like harridan wife would be like she's just everything hateful like I don't want to say this movie is misogynistic because it's not that multifaceted to be that. But her, but she exists as a misogynistic fantasy mm-hmm. of just like the worst part, the yeah. all the worst traits that a wife could have, like and anything he likes, she hates. Anything he wants to do, she thinks he shouldn't do. And all the things he likes to do are things that are selfless and uh, help other people. So she's the worst.
2: Yeah. And every single scene between them is just her being shitty and him being like, "Okay, I'm going to put up with this. And it's interesting. Yeah. Fuck. So this is so this is also the point in which Angel comes back. Right. So they so they've lost the money. They're totally out of money. They go through a, a tough moment, but then they end up like they find each other, and they're like, "Well, at least we have love." Let's go somewhere outside of New York. We're we're crazy pariahs here, you know. We're <laughs> we're specimens under a petri dish, and so let's
0: go live on a cloud made of dreams and smiles.
2: <laughs> He's like, "We can go to upstate New York. I'll join the the force up there." Yeah. So. to serve my community. So they. So they. So. Th- they have a last night or two at the diner that she now has to give up since she has no money and has <laughs> to like go into foreclosure. So, uh, so they're dancing at her cafe and here comes this journalist angel. Here comes Isaac up, Hayes
0: looking like George Clinton
2: dressed up like a homeless person, which I This is such a bizarre plan. I don't understand. I don't think (laughs) any journalist would ever do anything like this ever. But also it's like, what's the logic? I'm going to dress up like a homeless person, knock on their door and it's going to test whether they're good people. And if they are good people, they're going to let me inside and I'm going to see everything, which they do.
0: Yeah. And and is this, has he been built? Okay. He's been watching them since the start of the movie, since even before he won the lottery. That's what's fucking weird. Like this is when we find out that he's a journalist, but he's literally the first person that we see in the movie being like, I'm about to tell you about some people. And it's like, who are like, what is your deal? You write for a paper, but you're just trailing around this cop. Like, and, and yeah. And then it was all a big setup to expose, like on the, the next day, the papers are all like lotto cop and waitress give soup. You know, or like, actually good, <laughs> and, and that and
2: prompts and and that
0: the whole city of New York reads it, and there's is a montage like of them smiling and nodding. This
2: article about how these two people gave this journalist soup.
0: Their hearts are growing, their dicks are growing. They're just they, <laughs> they love love. They love New York.
1: So everyone sends them money, and then there's a pile of envelopes that they in, roll around, in, filled
2: right. with tips and. And New York city gives them a $600,000 tip Yeah, and then so they, they get married. So she
1: can, they get married. She can open, she can reopen the restaurant and he goes back to being a cop.
0: And at the end of the movie, they get into a hot air balloon. They fly over central park and they just dump a big bag of money everywhere.
2: In a which, hot air balloon which, that says <laughs> <"Cop> <laughs> Mary's waitress. <laughs>
0: yeah there's like a hot air balloon with their faces
1: there's like a print of the front page of the paper with the headline like on the balloon (laughs) just in case anyone looking up (laughs) doubts who's in the balloon they want them to know who's (laughs) dropping all this free money on them it's lotto uh, cop and waitress
0: (laughs) waitress. i I believe the internet term for this right now is virtue signifying (laughs) (laughs) Hey, it's me. It's me, Dave. Why- I'm giving money to everyone. I'm good. I'm in love. But I hated their white perfect love. I hated it so much. And I, ha- I mean, I hated <laughs> Rosie Perez and Stanley Tucci's characters because I'm not immune to a good cartoon. Like they're great villains. And- also,
1: I feel like this, the the Tucci thread was just. Dropped unceremoniously. Yeah, he just I wanted disappeared. To see, I wanted to. I wanted to see more of him. I wanted them to follow through on that. Does well, he get his troop? He, he starts driving a cab. Yeah, but at the very end, they do cab. like one like obligatory pickup oh, of okay. where are they now, and they show a shot of him, and they just say the only job he could get was as a cab driver and he looks miserable like getting in his cab and driving. Yeah, this is what
2: we're talking about when we say that the bad people get punished. Rosie Perez marries someone who swindles out of her money who, there's actually a hilarious scene where she meets him on the millionaire's cruise where he, they're eating salmon and he says, oh, this is Scottish salmon, the best. And, I don't think Scottish salmon exists. I don't think that's a thing, but Scottish nobody salmon. picks up on it because he's a scammer.
0: I, yeah. but it's like a
2: wink to the audience. Like this guy's a scammer.
0: And, and she, yeah. And she's in love with his money. She doesn't even notice that uh, Nick Cage missed the boat. She's, and he's like, I love you. And, um, uh, so she's, yeah. So she gets punished. The, Okay, why does this movie hate taxi cab drivers? <laughs> like, why? Why is being a a fucking cop and a waitress? Why are those noble professions? But taxi cab drivers.
1: Also, do you know? you <laughs> know how hard it must be though to be a noble NYPD officer? Seriously, like especially at the level that he is. I is I don't know if that's even doable.
0: No. He, I mean, what do they even do? Like they get called out to, cause there's like a naked person in the street. That's like, and we're supposed to be like, ah, yeah, New York. But no, he's like, he's like going into like crack dens and like dealing with people, mentally unstable people who are getting let out by the fucking out of the sanitariums and whatever, like people in New York, the New York PD actually do, or he's corrupt. And then we would be movie. Well, which he's not because, uh, as Rosie
1: Perez told us, yeah. they'd be richer.
0: Yeah, because he's a bad husband. All right. So, this movie, Catherine, how does it hold up?
2: Well, it's funny because when I was a kid, the scene where he tells her that she, that when he, the scene where the cop tells the waitress that she won $2 million, I remember that scene as a kid, just, I loved it so much. It was like the good people get good things.
0: Yeah. She's had a hard life and now it's over.
2: Yeah. But now as an adult, I'm, I'm like, that's fucked up. He just, that's messed up. He just undermined like the rational decisions that he made with his wife. The agreement that he made. Yeah. The agreement he made. And you know, what is his motivation? And you know, from the very beginning, there's this cuteness about her like glasses Right. And it's so funny that it's the, the, that it, the the film for so long just pretends to not acknowledge that like he wants to fuck her from like that moment. <laughs> like if he if, this movie does not exist if the wait if the waitress is a is a like a surly st- wide waiter. Yeah. Well, and the like, thing and, and the thing so that true. he says with the lotto
1: ticket, I will admit. Is an incredibly flirty thing to do, and I feel like yeah. if I was in that position, just to like flirt with a waitress, I would say something stupid like that. I'd be like, "Okay, sorry about your tip, but hey, look, if I win, I'll give you half." It's yeah. flirty it's like, though, you know what I mean? But he's obviously well, flirting the, with
2: her. Their, their absolute first, their absolute first interaction is she's like, "I'm here to be your waitress," and and he's like, "Hey, cute, funny comment, because so I can tell you're having a oh, bad right. day," and yeah. she's like,
0: "Hey, smile."
2: Yeah, exactly. A version of that. (laughs) And she basically tells him, you know, screw you. Like, I'll come back when you're ready. She literally says, like, I'll come back when you're ready to order.
0: Yeah, because he gives her a fake order and she's like, I don't have time for this. I'm trying to do my job.
2: (laughs) I've had a bad day. All very reasonable things.
0: Yeah. But I I feel so conflicted, though, because I and I I'm embarrassed by how like I hate their love. But I also like she's so cute. He is. He's Nicolas Cage. Their chemistry. They actually have good chemistry. Like this isn't. This isn't a Firebird situation. It's a Sean not a Firebird Young.
1: situation. But I think that I. I'm surprised when when Nick Cage has chemistry. Like in Moonstruck. Right. Or like in Wild at Heart. Yeah. It is so sexy.
0: Yeah. But yeah, then yeah.
1: in a lot of other movies, he has
0: no chemistry at all. Yeah. And this isn't sexy at all. No, is- that's
1: what I mean. Is I don't think they have like this one, you know, obviously uh honeymoon in Vegas too. And I think there's another one oh, I'm yeah. forgetting about where, like he, he he and his co-star have like, no chemistry
0: yeah, we'll together, f- yeah. the
1: interesting thing is Well, is guarding
0: Tess, obviously. <laughs>
1: <but yeah. laughs> I think actually I, I, are are
0: they had know, a little like, bit more you, I feel like Shirley actually, and and Nick Cage
2: the interesting thing in in is that there is an interesting nuanced movie in this plot. Yeah. Like there is a there is a movie with there is a potential way of telling this story in a more realistic way that is, you know, is about the more complicated decisions that these characters have that this movie pretends aren't more complicated decisions. Like if they, if the tension between the waitress and the cop were really like dealt with in that kind of like moral ambiguous role, like what if the marriage really was on the rocks and what if it really was a better person? And you know, what if, what if then you get to see the money as like Miles was saying, what it does to. To situations like, you know, did the wife and the cop divorce because now they could because they have money? Like there's an interesting story. If they treated them like humans, it it would have been an interesting story.
1: And I think you could even extrapolate it further to like this. the, The general question that this movie poses that it does not even attempt to answer is can you trust people in general to be good if left to like their own you know, uh, devices, right. you know, cause he, cause they get a lot of money and they just give it to people and yeah. they just make people happy with it, even though no one's forcing them to do it. And also arguably it's not the right, they're not, that's not the right decision to make when you, when you make that money, like you shouldn't just be making people happy with it. You, you don't know? think so? Yeah, but not that way. You shouldn't just be like willy nilly, like throwing it at everybody.
0: You know what I, I mean? Well, I I will say I I mean I don't I don't want to come out against against making people happy, but I there's the divorce scene. They're like you you're gonna take my two million dollars and. It's like, which first of all, two million dollars isn't even that much money, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, but from all the stuff that they did up to that point, they don't have two million dollars anymore. They rented out Yankee Stadium. They did like they, she bought like a fur coat that chipped away. They at
2: remodeled it. their apartment.
0: Yeah, they remodeled their apartment. Like, I, I understand that two million dollars was more in nineteen ninety four, but still, they're they're not that rich. I mean, in New York too. They, after that hot air balloon, it's gone. But someone they but they don't need it, you someone know. Someone Google
2: love. search how much it's the equivalent is.
0: Where's our research assistant?
2: Oh, Alex. <laughs> Come back.
0: Okay. Harsh.
1: I didn't. I didn't mean to come out against no, doing no, no, good no.
0: deeds for people. Because
1: now that I realize the way that I framed that, I understand that that's no, not really they, what I meant. They're but
0: not. They're not doing anything to keep you, their money. You can do more to, good to, to generate yeah. more money. Yeah. You could. But, I, th-
1: I think. I think what I meant is you could do more good by being smarter with.
0: Yeah. It. By by giving. Uh, okay. Well, he gives it to the charity, and that's to the charity right. of police. Like that's legit. Yeah. Yeah. But dumping money out of a hot air balloon is not heroic. <laughs> or
1: renting out Yankee Stadium to make some stickball kids feel good for like like 12 kids from
0: your neighborhood like like, no that's just a thing that rich people do buy
1: them for much less money that will make them happier for a longer (laughs) period of time yeah
0: exactly college tuition like (laughs) start a trust fund for each of them i don't know man like you
1: know you you can get more creative
0: yeah they're just like there's this whole sense of this i mean this movie um in some is really into capitalism in the way that like there's the sense of like the best thing that could happen to you is just getting a bunch of money. You just, you get a bunch of money and then it's figured out. You have your life figured out and all, you know, why not spend it on the best things? Why not go to the best hotel? Why not do, you know, it's just like, and, and they're cause you're a rich person now.
1: Yeah. But at the same time, it's also confusing because it basically says people that have a lot of money should give it away. Yeah. So in that case, it's right. like anti-capitalist,
0: right? It's okay. like it's
1: it, it's like a weird like naive socialism kind
0: of. Yeah, so you're getting to my pet theory. Okay. Okay. Is it's not even actually, a theory. I'm, is I'm this just actually just socialist propaganda. Is that what this movie is? I'm just gonna put. I'm gonna put forward a couple of things I noticed. First when uh when Rosie Perez is talking is like, "I'm not happy. I want many things and then they <laughs> then they get a fur coat, and she's like, "I'm getting more happy and the they we see them go down a golden escalator,
2: and she says something very esoteric
0: do you do you know where that golden escalator is? No Trump Tower it's the same golden escalator that Donald Trump rode down. oh my God, no. is it when I have pictures." Yeah. Check, check this out, D, I, I DT. Just, I knew he was going to be in this movie. Okay, we, we've we've got we've got Trump, Golden Escalator. Note the lights in the ceiling. Then we have the Golden Escalator, same lights. Oh my gosh. Same situation. Okay, next. They don't need you know they don't need money. They're just serving their community. They're just doing their thing. But they at the end of the movie they get money in small donations. Small donations just from the soft of the earth people twenty seven dollars on average, <laughs> who's to say, and then they just th- they they give they give the money away as uh you know some would accuse social democratic socialists of doing just giving free handouts they literally give handouts to everybody now i don 't know what this points to, but those are two facts. <laughs> Are they Bernie Sanders and is Rosie Perez, Donald Trump did this movie foresee the 2016 election and, and try and and try and warn us of, uh, you know, who the good people really were. And so Andrew Bergman is Nostradamus is what you're trying to say. Andrew Bergman in the future from now has figured out a way to time travel and embed in his movie, a warning.
1: See, now we have to go back and watch Honeymoon in Vegas to try to find out how that ties in. <laughs> or maybe the events that that depicts haven't happened yet. So we, that's why we couldn't connect.
0: Honeymoon it. in Vegas, uh, she, yeah, I, I feel like Sarah Jessica Parker represents uh, the uh, America that progressives and neolibs want mm-hmm. together. And, and um, that Nicolas Cage's uh, character is... Uh, is Elvis. Is Elvis. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. With> Elvis? <laughs> Yeah. Um, okay. Let's read from the Nicholas Cage road journal.
1: Okay.
0: So in 1991, Nicholas Cage, uh, wrote a, uh, or yeah, he, he went on the road to see America, um, a la Jack Kerouac and, uh, wrote a journal about it that was then published in details magazine. And we've been reading from it. Each each week.
1: So were they in Kingman, Arizona
0: last time? Yeah, they were. They they had they started in Cabazon and uh, stayed, <laughs> in Cabazon stayed in Cabazon for Cab- <laughs> a long time, and then they they made it to Arizona and talked to uh, a bunch of a bunch of people. Um, the last the last little piece was, I know drinking is out of style, but I have learned that when I do drink, just saying to myself. I am sleek and self-contained, spares many problems. If you can function like a tiger on a hunt while indulging, you deserve the utmost respect. I can't stand a sloppy drunk. Okay, Socorro, New Mexico. I had a dream last night that I was in the African desert. Jeff and I were surrounded by hyenas. As we started walking to the car, I saw a small red ocelot sitting on the rock. She ran away, leaving her kitten. I scooped it up and brought the tiny animal into the car with me.
1: Wait, is this a dream he's having? Yeah.
0: Oh, okay. That's the whole entry, actually.
1: (laughs) So we had that dream in Socorro, New Mexico.
0: Yeah, in in the African desert in Socorro, New Mexico. Still in Socorro, New Mexico. Entry two. Otis Quick is an ex-truck driver. Oh, man. He's in full storytelling mode now. Dude, I'm telling you, he's making these things up.
1: (laughs) He doesn't actually meet these people. This whole thing is fabricated.
0: Time for a character sketch. (laughs) Otis Quick is an ex-truck driver. He was fixing the sink in our room. I was on the phone to my editor who asked me what I thought of America.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Again, I'm not even sure the editor is a real person. That's not a
0: conversation (laughs) that happened. So, Nick, what do you think about America? If you were going to compare her to something. (laughs) Sarah Jessica Parker. um, I told him that I thought the country was confused. The majority is celebrating its, quote, battle victory, while in a dark corner like Kingman, Vietnam vets bitterly remember getting spit on. I don't think America's confused, Otis interrupted. I think we have a lot of different opinions, and that's that's part of what makes this country great. I got off the phone, sensing an opportunity Is there anything you'd change about the country? I asked Otis There ought to be a death penalty for drug dealers I've got a brother in jail for selling drugs And I wouldn't feel sorry for him If he got the death penalty He got little kids on drugs Big city, little town There's killing and drugs everywhere I looked at Otis He had sad eyes What are you What are your dreams? I asked him I'm 39, I'm past my dreams. As a kid, I remember seeing my daddy drive a truck and that was my dream, (laughs) to drive a truck. I've done that. Now my dream is to see my kids grow up with an education. Somewhere, New Mexico, 1.45 p.m. We're heading south towards Alamogordo. Oh yeah. This is, you, oh, yeah. this is y- my hood. Yeah, you've been there. I know all about this. Is, is this resonating with your experience? Yeah, I mean, th- this is like, yeah, it's basically recalling a dream for me. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, this is like my dream. This is actually. your, yeah. and uh, It's kind of scary, actually. And Otis Quick is your red ocelot. Absolutely. Good uh, good burritos in Socorro, too. Very good breakfast burritos. Yeah, good to know. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, heading so- south toward Alamogordo. It was close to there that the Trinity device was tested in 1944. That was the first thermonuclear explosion in history. There's the Star Wars Deli, the rocket laundromat, and the atomic welding shop. The buildings look like carcasses, and the whole place smells like burnt hair. (laughs) Who are they, these Americans, who raise their children in an area where existence is predicated on the detonation of atomic bombs? Five days on the road, and I was becoming crazed. I could tell Jeff wrapped as tight. I, I could tell Jeff wrapped as tight as me was wrapped. I think he meant. We stopped talking. I drove out of town down some white gypsum dusted roads for a couple of miles, and then in the the pavement ended. We were floating in a world of soft sculptured ice cream. This was White Sands National Monument. Having seen the birthplace of nuclear war, the shock of entering this marshmallow softness was too much. The weirdness inside of me slammed against the beauty outside. I pointed the car to a turnoff and slid up to a white hill. Jeff and I had spent a lot of miles on the road together, and it was time to let it rip. Claustrophobia had set in. "'Let's take a walk.' I barely recognized my own voice. "'Let's take a walk!' we hired we hiked to the top of a dune overlooking this white world great place for a fight i thought the
1: wind why is that what you think you should be bowled over by the majestic beauty of nature
0: and you're just thinking about fighting someone because he we he has a motto and his motto is maximum violence immediately he's he's ready he is a sleek tiger on the prowl Uh, right wasn't that it maximum violence immediately yeah
1: no yeah I was thinking of I was thinking that's where we should drop the the next wildcat roar
0: oh absolutely yeah Yeah. (laughs) Jesse you want to do a a roar (laughs) Uh, I'm just going to find a sound effect I think okay on on YouTube okay I'll cue it up when I have to thanks okay the wind was whistling we were alone before I could turn around Jeff clocked me It was a cheap shot. He caught me flush on the cheekbone under my eye, but I didn't go down. So Jeff was thinking the same thing. Was Jeff the guy who was telling the story? No, Jeff is his travel companion. Okay. Um, I have always prided myself. So they're st- just fighting around America. <laughs> is that what they're doing? They're just going. They went to a national monument. and then they fought and are getting into a fist fight they're going they're talking to drunks and um and fighting and writing bad poetry he caught me flush on the cheekbone under my eye but i didn't go down i've always prided myself on my ability to take pain i staggered back and smiled why not i muttered we went at it i slugged jeff in the stomach and he fell like a sack of potatoes that was it he was winded and the fight was over I half-wished he had a little more in him, but it was just as well. I didn't really want to hurt him. I tasted blood in my mouth. I spat out in the sand, red and white. I hate that color combination. Ever since I saw Logan's run, (laughs) I've always hated red and white. (laughs) How are you doing, I asked. Not too good, he croaked. All right. We got back in the car, and before long it was dark again. We kept driving past prison facilities with signs on the road. They read, Warning, do not pick up hitchhikers, prison area. I imagine there is a truck behind us and a car in front, closing the gap on us, forcing us to the side of the road. I pull over, I hear a beer bottle break, and "Yeehaw!" from some inbred hick. Really? First of all, People are actually saying yeehaw and breaking bottles out in the like No, none of no, this is actually not, happening. No, Dave. they're not. <laughs> and now he's calling them inbred hicks. I thought he was like on the like salt of the earth, like Right. Every man every man's a king trip. Oh shit, I say to myself, through the windshield I could see a fellow with a red face. He's wearing a plaid shirt and a baseball cap. Of course he is. And he and he is walking toward me. He is holding a hunting rifle and flashing a toothless smile. Looky what we got here, he says. Jeff's eyes are as wide as coffee saucers. We are both shaking. Oh my, Jeff, your eyes are as wide as coffee saucers.
1: Also, all of a sudden the tone shift is crazy. It turns into like Texas chainsaw or something like that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I have a vision of the shotgun against my temple and the sound of 10 tons of bricks falling from a 12-story building and exploding. Everything red. I don't want to die. I survey my options. Give them the car and they'll shoot me anyway. Run into the desert and I'm a moving target. I decide to step on the gas and run the redneck over. I come out of my dream state and notice we were approaching Texas.
2: <laughs>
0: that was all a dream. He says he came out of his dream state. Does that mean that he woke up from a dream or that he just like went into like shock while he was killing this man?
1: Oh, I was thinking that he meant his dream state being they cross the border from New
0: Mexico to Texas. Like New Mexico was, was his, his dream, dream state? state because, uh, because cinematic things are happening in it all the time. It's all really boring from here on out. He he killed a man. Did he? Did he?
1: <laughs> all is <right>. Nicholas Cage
0: admitting <laughs> to
1: manslaughter? <laughs> um, it's okay. It was just an inbred redneck. So.
0: <laughs> should, should I read one more, or should we leave it there?
1: Uh, I feel like I feel like now that they're I feel like Texas is his. Own yeah,
0: I, I I think that's hard to top. All right. Well, cool. next time the conclusion of "On the Road" with Nicholas Cage.
1: Um, yeah. Thank you, guys. Thank Catherine, you, Jesse, and Jesse Catherine. for being on the show. Thank you. Thank
2: you.
0: Um,
1: I am glad that. <laughs> Was that the roar? No. Is that a record, <laughs> a record scratch? scratch. <laughs> Wait, do it again. Do it again. <laughs> <laughs> Jesse, can you find the roar for us? Yeah, I've worked on it okay, cool. I'm <laughs> <laughs> Jesse you should just be yeah you should be on the. you should be the soundboard operator on the show from now on I like that you both picked different ones that was like a symphony of roars that was so good it's, got, it's gotta
0: be a feature now yeah <laughs> Oh uh, Christ! It's
1: like Zareka, but for <laughs> I, I think Dave, from now on we have to. Anytime we have a guest, or even if we do it, it just if it's just the two of us, we have to get everyone to queue up a roar cue on roar. our phones and play it on the at the same time. Wow. Oh man, man, I think man. that closed
0: out the show. A little a little a little show. Just-